You are listening to a message from Vida City Church Houston. For more information about our church, visit our website at vidacch.org. And now with you, today's message. Start off today and talking about our message with a story. How many of you guys enjoyed your Christmas? Everybody enjoyed the Christmas? Awesome. Man, I see that hand went straight up. There was a boy who got something special for Christmas. And it was a baseball bat, a ball, and a helmet. And so after the Christmas holidays, he got bored at the house. And school didn't even start yet. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to go take this outside. He goes and finds this field outside his house. He takes that ball. He takes that bat, puts on the, hat, uh, the helmet. And he tells himself with all his might, I am the best batter in the world. He takes that ball. He throws it up. And he swings. And he misses. He's like, ah, okay, I got this. Looks at himself, all in with despair. He's like, I am the best batter in the world. Takes that ball again, and he throws it up. And it's like in slow motion, he's going to see it. And he swings. And all of a sudden, he misses. Very sad, this boy. He tells himself, I am the best batter in the world. And if anybody knows anything about baseball, it's strike two. He says, he gives himself one more. I am the best batter in the world. Takes that ball again. He's like, I'm going to give it one more chance. So he throws it up. Throws it. And in slow motion, he has his eye on the ball. And he swings. And he misses again. From a batter thinking that he changed his perspective from a batter to the world's greatest pitcher because he struck out. Today I want to talk to you guys today about this word called perspective. Somebody say perspective. In 2020, we need to change our perspective. Our perspective. We need to change our perspective for 2020. And if we read our story and we watched the movie, we understood that, well, in the verse it says that Jesus says to the disciples, let us go to the other side. For whatever reason it is, from point A to point B, the disciples will have a different perspective. We've read in other stories in the Bible where Jesus is actually telling the disciples, you guys go across, I will meet you on the other side. We often read also times in the Bible where, where Jesus would tell the disciples to go do something, but Jesus is by himself spending alone time with his father. And as we read, they'll go, and all of a sudden, y'all remember the story? Jesus started walking on the water to them in another storm. 
And they were scared. And they were like, Jesus, oh my, is that, is that even Jesus? And Peter said, hey, um, if it's you, I'm going to come out and walk on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter was walking on the water. And all of a sudden, he looked at, focused on the waves more than uh, focusing on Jesus. And he falls into the water. So we have that story. And Jesus picks them up and puts them on the boat. And then the storm comes and everybody's good. But this time, it's a little different. He says, this time, let us go to the other side. You and me, let us, you and me, go into the other side. The Bible says in Luke chapter 8, verse 22, uh, it says, uh, let us go over to the other side. So they got into the boat and set out. They got on the boat together with Jesus. They weren't by themselves achieving an assignment. Jesus Christ himself was in this boat. My first point today is this three words right here. It's the other side. Jesus is telling them, go to the other side. My very first question for you this morning, Be That City Church, is what does your other side look like? I mean, think about it. We're here at church. We stop our day to come see, you know, what's going on here. We worship God. We listen to the word. But how do we really apply this word to our life? And sometimes we have the habit of keeping only Jesus and God here, like if God doesn't move outside the four walls, much less the property. We feel like God would only move here and not in the parking lot. Can I get a hello? I like that amen better. <laughs> what is your other side? What does your other side look like? Your other side could look like a job promotion. Your other side could be a business opportunity. Your, 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 uh, your other side could be a career change. Your other side could be a call from God. What does your specific other side look like? When God says, hey, let us go to the other side. There are people who are starting ministries and going to the other side but left Jesus at the shore. Is Jesus on your boat? Is Jesus on your side? He said, let us go to the other side. And whatever it is, I'm praying that after we leave today, as a family, as we head out and as we all go out to eat, you know, wherever we go, I'm praying that there would be divine direction in your life where the other side is. If you're writing notes, my first point is, where is my other side? Where is God trying to lead me? Where is God trying to take me? And if, when God is taking me, is Jesus on my boat. Watch this. So they go into the boat and they start sailing across the water. We find that although God is calling us, the Bible describes that in verse 23, as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. Jesus had to take his power nap. How many of you guys love power naps? Amen. Praise God for them power naps. All right. A squall came down on the lake. In other words, a, 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 a rain, a, a, a wind, a, a gush of wind, a, a storm came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped with water and they were in great danger. Here's what's very, very interesting. <laughs> Here's what's very interesting. They're in the boat. They're going across. You ready? Follow me here. Y'all ready? Say, oh, yeah. We're going on to the other side and Jesus falls asleep. The next thing that happens is that there's a storm that comes on the boat and everything is rocking. 
and they feel like they're in great danger. If the Son of God is with you and in your life, why should you feel like you're in danger? Because one thing is, let's go to the other side by myself. Let me start this ministry. Let me start my calling by myself with no guidance, with no, with no Jesus or God helping me get to the other side. Everything that I start on my own is sustained by me. Everything that started with God is sustained by him. Hello? If you're, there's a project in your life that you're starting, if you feel like it's your call to do it and you do it on your own and it wasn't ordained by God, you're going to sustain it. But if God said do something and you take that leap of faith, take that action, you go on the other side of the lake and there's a storm, you have to understand that God is going to take care of this. But what's interesting is that Jesus is not up in the front of the ship like this, scouting the sails, breathing in the, the ocean smell. I'm Jesus, right? He is sleeping. What does that mean? How do you take it when God says let's go on a journey and Jesus falls asleep? How do you respond to that when Jesus Christ is asleep on your boat? I'm going to give it to you this way. Whenever there's an opportunity for me to fly out to, um, example, Arkansas or some other places they invite me to preach at conferences, I'll be tired and everything like that, and I'll be going on the plane, and sometimes I can't even sleep. When I land, I get a text message, hey, so-and-so is going to pick you up. And I'm tired. Like, I just want to go to the, the house or the hotel, wherever they're, they're taking me at, to just nap. I just need to take a nap. I just need to sleep. But whenever I get in the car of whoever house this is, or whoever, or I'm sorry, whoever car this is, whoever's supposed to be picking me up, first of all, I don't know them. So I want to make sure I'm getting in the right car. So I get in the car, and you best bet that as this individual is driving, no matter who assigned them to take care of me, I'm staying awake in that car. I'm not going to go to sleep. I'm just going to stay awake. No matter how tired I am, brother, I love you, but I don't know you, right? So, like, I'm just going to stay awake, right? But check this out. What happens when I fly back to Houston and my dad picks me up or my mom picks me up or my wife picks me up? You best bet that I am going to take a nap in that car. Why? There's a word called trust. I trust that the individual who's driving the car is going to take me to my destination. Hello? I think y'all are missing it. When Joey take, picks me up, I can trust that I can go to sleep with one eye open. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that I can trust them that they're going to take me to the other side to where my destination is. If it's somebody I don't know, I'm going to stay awake until I get to that destination. If it's somebody that I trust, I'm going to just fall asleep, rest assured that when I wake up, I'm at my destination. So if there's any time you feel that Jesus is sleeping through a crisis, it's because he trusts you that you'll get to the other side, that you wouldn't have to wake him up, that you wouldn't have to be like, oh my God, something's going on. Jesus, when he's asleep, he's trusting you. interesting though is that Jesus is asleep and I'm pretty sure like man Jesus is God those waves are coming on the boat man he's probably sleeping like a baby like feeling that rocking of the boat like yeah and all of a sudden something happens the Bible already describes that they are in 
danger. The disciples figured, oh my goodness, it, we're in danger. Here's the interesting part. In verse 24, the disciples went and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Then Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. All that happened in one sentence. <laughs> he says this. He says, the disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. I want you to imagine what it was like to Jesus having this power nap, being rocked by this boat, just sleeping like a baby. And all of a sudden, some crazy disciple says, Jesus, oh my God, we're going to die. Now, how many of you guys have ever gotten woken up, like, very abruptly and rudely? Oh, my God. You be on the worst. Like, you just get mad. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, don't touch me. Don't talk to me. What do you want? Like, and Jesus didn't get up. Like, what do you want? What's interesting, though, watch this. Watch this. Don't miss this. That he gets up, and the first thing he does is talk to the situation before talking to the disciples. He could have every right. I know if somebody woke me up, I'd be like, bro, what do you want? Like, oh, my gosh. Like, what do you want? I would probably got no upset. But Jesus, in his love and care and his grace for us, he gets up and he talks to the situation. Then he addresses the disciples. Whenever you feel like you're calling on God and God is not talking to you, it's because he's probably he's talking to the situation that you're in. He's probably talking and addressing the problem and saying, hold on, wait a minute. I'm going to get to you real quick. But let me handle why you are calling me. I'm grateful for a God who knows how to handle the process right. Because you wake me up in a store, I'm going to get mad. And I'm going to jump off. No, I'm just kidding. I, I think I saw it in this video or in another video. I was trying to pick out the right video. Like when the storm was there, like they made the storm look like a storm. It was so crazy that the like boat, it showed that it was underwater. Like underwater. And then it came back up. And I'm like, okay. And it was really crazy because like there was like three disciples hanging off the boat. Like they're drowning and somebody's trying to get one of the disciples. I'm like, man, like if that was the case, that, that's crazy. But if God's not talking to you, he's talking to the situation around you. How many guys can believe that? Say amen. He addresses the disciples next. He talks to the situation. God, I need you to do something. When you don't hear a response, God is talking to the. Then he addresses the disciples. You ready? Here's the, here's the crazy part. When I read this, this blew my mind. This whole next piece I, I'm talking about can, can um, preach by itself because he, Jesus speaks. He speaks. He speaks to the situation and then he speaks to the disciples. And what he tells the disciples isn't, you idiot, why did you wake me up? He didn't say, oh, what's your problem? Like, why did you wake me up? He didn't get mad at them. He didn't say anything. But he said this simple phrase that blew my mind. We can find that in verse 25. Jesus says, where? Is your faith? Yeah, it went over my head the first time I read it. And I was thinking about it. When Jesus says, where is your faith at? Jesus is not saying, you guys had no faith. Jesus didn't say, you guys had no prayer life. 
Jesus is not saying to the disciples, you guys have no faith in me. He said, where is your faith? Because your faith was not in me. Your faith was in the storm. Because if your faith was in me, you wouldn't have to wake me up. Your faith is a lie in the storm because you woke me up and saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown? You literally think you're going to die if I'm on this boat with you? It's not that you don't have faith. It's that you have a lot of faith in the wrong stuff. And how many of it, how many is that, like us sometimes, that we have faith and you say, well, maybe I just don't have faith in God. You have a lot of faith, but your faith is positioned somewhere else. Hello? You're, that's why people with anxiety attacks, people with depression, people with fear and anger, they have a lot of faith. It's not that they don't have faith. They have a lot of faith, but their faith is in the problem, not in the solution. Their faith is, oh, my God, I'm worried about tomorrow because tomorrow is this going to happen. This might happen. I'm worried about this situation because this situation is going to blow up and get even worse than before. I'm, I'm scared. I'm worried about this. Their faith, their huge amount of faith is in the wrong place. Next time you feel that there's an anxiety attack over somebody in this place. Next time you feel like there is fear and anger and just, just, oh, I, I just, I'm worried about life. I'm just, your faith is in the wrong place. You have faith. That's a lot of faith to believe that you're on the same boat with Jesus and you're going to drown. That's a lot of faith. In fact, that's kind of insulting faith. You have the faith. It's just, let's just position it somewhere else. He says, where is your faith at? I'm going to close with this, but check this out. Like, just that by itself, I didn't even have a graphic for that. You know what? I'll make a graphic. Look. This is my graphic for this one. Like that. Where is your faith? You guys remember what my first point was? Shout it out. My second point. Jesus speaks. And when he speaks, he asks us this today, church. Where is your faith? I'm going to invite you to stand where you are because I want to give you a lot of time with the altar. Because you got a lot of faith in stuff that's not going to save you. You have a lot of faith in the problems that are just going to end up hurting you. You have a lot of faith that certain people in your life are going to mess up again. They're just going to mess up again. They're just going to hurt me again. They're just going to do this again. That is a lot of faith that you're placing in the wrong area. Where is your faith at? Jesus questions them and says, where is your faith? And right there they knew it was more in the storm than the Savior. What if? Be that city church. What if you and I have been living this past week, starting off the new decade, starting off the new year, starting off today with having more faith in the problem than in Jesus. And then we come to church saying we worship God, saying God we give you everything. And then we leave this place like those problems are bigger than him. Like those waves, like those giants, like the storm, like the lightning is bigger than Jesus. If I could bring everything here to a close into something so simple, that Jesus loves you and he doesn't want you to have a miserable life. That's not his plan for your life. Anything that happens in your life, God will be glorified. God will be glorified. 
I don't, I don't have time to talk about the theological discussion of predestined, but God predestined everything from start to finish. He knows what you're going to do. He knows the outcome. He knows everything. He knew that this individual would end up being this way. He knew that all this would happen. But check this out. Even in knowing all of that, he will still be glorified. Because if it wasn't for certain things in the life, in their life, people would have not gotten saved. If it wasn't for the storm that hit the disciples, their faith would have still been in problems and not on Jesus. If it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for the dilemma, their faith, the entire journey with Jesus would have been more on what people are going to say, what the outcome is, versus on who the Savior is and who he says I am. So family, today, let's reshift our faith. For those of you who are battling with depression, anxiety, fear, and worry, you have some great faith. It's big. It's huge. Let's shift it over and put it in the hands of Jesus. Let's change it. You don't got to be worried about tomorrow. You don't got to be scared because God did not give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a power and a love and a sound mind. So if you're scared about something that's out of the will of God, let's shift our faith. Let's do it today. Let's do it now. Let's shift our faith. Instead of saying, man, when I go home, we're just going to argue again. Man, when we go out to eat, man, something's going to get brought up. Man, she's always doing this. He's always doing it. We're putting our faith in things that haven't even happened yet. Let's put our faith in the God that took care of everything 2,000 years ago. Right there with your head bowed, every eye closed. You cannot have a victory if you're worried about everything. You can't have a victory if you're worried about everything. And as I make this altar call, I want to give you about maybe 10 minutes to spend time with our Creator and say, God, I am shifting my faith. I am shifting my faith. I am shifting from worrying to worship. I am shifting my faith from looking down, I'm shifting it to looking it up. God, I believe that after today, we are going to see a victory. When it doesn't make sense, when the storm is here, we are going to put our faith in you. And knowing that if you are ever, in, in metaphorically speaking, if you were ever sleeping in our boat, it's because you trust us, you've gifted us, you've predestined us, you've determined, God, that we would get to the other side. And God, I pray, God, that as you've trusted us, as you've gifted us, God, Father, help us find our other side. Help us find where we need to go. Help us find what our next steps are in life, God, so we don't keep coming to church empty and confused, but we come with vision. We come with clarity, God, for our life. So church, where is your faith? If you're ready to shift your faith in this place, I dare you to come up right now. Come up. Bring your family. Bring somebody with you. Say, you know what? I'm shifting my faith. God is taking care of this. If you're coming, bring somebody with you. Say, I'm going to see a victory and you're going to see a victory too.
God, I pray that they will make a decision to follow you and to invite you into the journey called life. That they would change their perspective and not sing about victories, but you're left on the shore. And not take off with ministries and projects that are done for you, but you're not even in the project. God, I pray, Lord, that you would open up our eyes and you would see, God, that we would see, God, that you need to be a part of every decision we make in our life as we honor you with life, God. Change our shift. Change our focus. So I pray, God, that we would, that those of us in here who don't have a relationship with God, I pray, God, that they would invite you into their life, that they would stop coming to church and just fake it till they make it, that they would stop coming to church and just be an observer, but be a worshiper. I pray, God, for every person who's been coming to church and just been looking at everything and just trying to see if this is going to work out for me, and, and, and I'm going to just see if, if I understand God enough, then I'll make a decision. God, help us to understand, God. That you are above all things. You are the creator of the universe. And we can never understand everything of who you are. If you understood everything about God, then God wouldn't be God. But all you got to know is that if he's on your side, you're going to the other side. If he's on your side, you're going to the other side. You are going to make it. If he's sleeping or if he's discussing to the situation, you will make it in Jesus' name. I think it's time we put our spiritual pants on and stop being this lazy, cheap Christian who lets the devil walk over us and we're just taking it like, oh, we're being humble. It's time that you rebuke the enemy and say, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm tired of you and my family. I'm tired of you and my life. I'm tired of the anxiety. I'm 